Inverse Genius episode 14, Bond, James Bond. In this episode, Eric is joined once again by Patrick Hillier, where they talk about the James Bond movies, specifically the Connery ones. Inverse Genius is brought to you by our incredible Patreons at patreon.com slash obg. Everything you do there just continues to support us, and we really appreciate it. Thanks. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of Inverse Genius, the podcast where we get to talk about stuff that's not game-related. Although I have to admit that the whole genesis of this podcast was game-related. Let me introduce my co-host for this episode. It is the man who knows a lot about Brady and now knows a lot about Bond, Mr. Patrick Hillier. Hey, thanks for having me back. Yes, I am Patrick Hillier, the Over the Hillier Gamer at Over the Hillier on Twitter and everywhere Fantastic. And on the What Did You Play This Week podcast. Yes, that's probably where you can find me the most of the time. Fantastic. He's also an amazing architect, which will come in handy when we start talking about ba- bad guy base design. <laughs> you know it, man. I've <laughs> I've actually done uh, I've done studies on on the set design and, and buildings around James Bond, and uh, one of my one of my old bosses was actually a James Bond fan, and and one of our projects looks like a, an old James Bond lair. Oh, that is fantastic. Uh, you know, Bond was into open concept well before the rest of the society picks up, you know, catches on. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Yeah. My my son was actually just home talking to us about design. He's in college and, and we were I was talking about uh this upcoming thing and how he was doing a history of design and I was commenting on how we were gonna this show was coming up and you could almost study design through time just by looking at James Bond. Because oh, it was always yeah. trying to be very timely and, and trendy clothes or cars or um just whatever was going on at the time yeah and i'm sure that'll come up through our discussion about (laughs) themes in the movies exactly so the genesis of this episode was that we were talking on the what did you play this week podcast and i had mentioned the james bond role-playing game and Mm -hmm. you had mentioned how much of a fan you were of it and suddenly we realized among all the other similarities between us yes we're both huge fans of bond Mm -hmm. and so there had to be an inverse genius episode on bond but it's such a huge uh, topic that i wasn't ever sure how to tackle it and you came up with the idea of of you know just just talking about the connery movies in in this case and so yeah eventually there'll be other episodes that that grab the other movies but for this particular episode we're going to talk about connery and one other yep uh, uh, talking about james bond now i've uh, got the assumption that people know who james bond is the the spy for mi6 ian fleming was originally the uh, uh well he was the author of it there have been other authors since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did time in His Majesty's Secret Service during World War II, and I think that kind of led to some sort of authenticity, uh, a little bit at least. And uh, his books, he wrote you know, these spy books, and they got real popular, and so then movies were made. And once the movies were made, I think the whole thing just really blew up in popularity. Sure. I think one of the other uh, things that really made it uh, pop was uh, when... Um Kennedy said he was reading Doctor oh, right, No. Right. I believe uh, is in one of those interviews, and then as uh, everybody wanted to read that. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. You're absolutely correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Bond became this huge cultural phenomenon, and 
which one of the most amazing things is I, I meant to look this up, but it's got to be one of the longest running movie series, if not the longest running movie series, since it's been going since the 60s and fairly steadily since then. Sure. Yeah, I wouldn't. I can't think of anything else, but. Yeah, I can't either. Someone may pipe up. But, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so let's talk about let's talk about the Bond movies and, and we'll just kind of go through the Connery movies. Uh, it, it covers quite a few of them, actually. But, of course, the first one is... Dr. No. Dr. No in 1962. Now, interestingly, Dr. No was not the first Bond novel written. The first Bond novel was Casino Royale. Yes. And, interestingly, uh, Sean Connery was not the first James Bond. There was, in the late 50s, a TV adaptation of Casino Royale. And I forget, it was an American, I forget who it was, who was the, uh, who's oh, Bond. Oh, gosh, yeah. Oh, I get it. I forget his name. White-haired but, guy. Yeah. And it goes by Jimmy Bond, and it's horrible. Yeah. It, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's not, uh, not good. Um, and, and then later on, and I forget when this happened, but there was a parody of Bond called uh-huh. Casino Royale with uh-huh. David Niven as Bond, and I think Woody Allen was Bond's brother or something. Yeah, he was the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've never seen the movie simply because my grandfather and uncle, who were both huge Bond fans, just talked about how much they hated it. It's probably their most hated movie. Yeah, it's and very so. <laughs> it's very slapstick sort of, you know, done done in a sort of a... Oh, the the Austin Powers? Austin Powers sort of way, but more of a, even even to the nth degree. But yeah. Yeah. So when they decided to do a Bond movie, they, they ended up picking Dr. No as their first one. Uh, and they being... Uh, Broccoli, the Broccoli mm-hmm. family has been attached to the Bond movies since the early 1960s and continued to be so today. Correct. And uh, so, yeah, so they chose Dr. No. So we have Dr. No. Dr. No is Korean. He, he's Asian. Yeah, I think he's Korean. I think he's Korean. I'm not sure if they really clarify that. Yeah. And he, uh, he's all angry at the world and he's going to try and... Uh, and take it over his his hands his kind of affectation was that his hands were somehow injured in a nuclear accident so he has these kind of exoskeleton hands that he, mm-hmm. he wears uh, and this one this movie is is probably most different than any of the other bond movies uh there's no sort of pre-title sequence involved in it, it just kind of goes straight into it um the character of bond is a little little coarser mm-hmm. uh, yeah and it was, which is interesting because when Sean Carney was hired, they actually had uh, uh, people come in to teach him how to be more of a higher class person, oh. uh, because he was considered to be a little rough around the edges at the time. And so, uh, but yeah, so he he was a the scene that always sticks out in my mind is when someone tries to shoot him and he's sitting there waiting for him and the guy fires five or six times and misses and and bond says something to the extent of you had your five now here's my one and he just <laughs> kills him right in cold blood <laughs> that's the other thing i like uh we can we can talk about a lot here is all those little one-liners yes that uh that uh, i guess really started with connery um and and probably got a little a little worse <laughs> with roger moore uh, which we'll yeah. talk about later, but Connery's got a lot of good one-liners. <laughs> yes, definitely he does. Another little minor interesting thing is the the movie, of course, starts with the gun barrel and mm-hmm. Bond turning and shooting. Connery is not the actor that is shooting at the gun barrel. It is actually the stunt coordinator, Bob Simmons. Oh. Uh, so he's the first, you know, on-screen Bond is is the stunt coordinator. And he's actually, 
the the bond for at least the first two or three movies before eventually they film Connery doing it. Hmm. Now here's a little here's a little uh, trivia for me. I didn't know that was a gun barrel for the longest time when I was growing up. Oh, I, I totally. I always thought it was like a camera lens yes. or something. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yes. Yeah, and, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I don't remember when I discovered it, but it was it was yeah. I'm, I was late teens, early adults before mm-hmm. somehow mm-hmm. or another it was pointed out that that was a gun barrel. Yeah, so that's the rifling of the barrel. Yes. And conceptually, you're a bad guy trying to shoot Bond, but he gets to you first. Yep. Yep. The uh, there's no real privileged henchman in this particular movie. That I can remember. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, do- well, you know, Doctor No's pretty, Dr. No. yeah, pretty strong villain. Um, yeah, I guess you know, there's the there's the first uh, and most famous uh, Bond babe, for yes. lack of a better term, honey, comes out of the water there with her with her bag of seashells. Yep, uh, sashaying out there, honey, <laughs> honey rider. Yep, uh huh, singing uh, singing under the mango tree. Yep. Yeah, Bond um, sings in this one. That's, <laughs> that's one that doesn't re- happen ever again. Yeah. Um, he also has, uh, this takes place a lot in Jamaica, which you'll see quite a bit because uh, Fleming is a big fan of Jamaica. In fact, he had a house there. Mm-hmm. Named um, Goldeneye, which we'll talk Goldeneye. about later. <laughs> and uh, uh, who was the who was his contact there? Was it Karen Bay? No, Karen Bay oh, was Coral. the next movie. Coral, that's right. Mm-hmm. Coral, mm-hmm. who um, unfortunately won't won't make it through the whole movie yeah carl jr though later yeah uh, yeah carl was kind of a comic relief character uh, disappointingly a little bit he, he sort of shook when he you know was when he was pointing his gun and yeah. believed in the voodoo or whatever the dragon and i don't know just um just came off a little bit too too cartoony true although in his defense there was a dragon <laughs> yeah yeah no, it happened arguing. to be a personnel carrier with a flamethrower on it mm-hmm. but it was a dragon that scared people away from the island where dr no was doing all his his secret stuff um ultimately when bond gets caught he gets to go through the uh has to go through all these series of traps to get away and and help defeat dr no um which is actually straight from the book there was one or two in the book that didn't uh didn't make it to the movie but uh, for most of them it was all, you know, electrified fences and spiders. Oh, and poor honey tied up to be eaten up by crabs in the morning. Oh, <laughs> well, those must be from the book because I don't remember those. Oh, actually, I'm sorry. You're right. They filmed a scene where she was going to be eaten by crabs, but they didn't. They cut it. Oh, okay. So sorry. She, that's right. Because she was she was chained on the ramp at the end that they had to uh, they had to rescue her from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was it was a pretty much what would be considered a standard Bond movie. And, uh, oh, and of course, Sylvia Trench at the very beginning um, is sort of the first Bond girl that you actually see. That's true. I forgot about her. Yeah, and that's at, she, the, that's at the casino. Right. This Bond is playing probably Baccarat. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that's where we get the classic line. Let's read it right here where he, he <laughs> says, Bond says, I admire your, your courage, miss. And she says, Trench, Sylvia Trench, and I admire your luck, Mr. Bond. James Bond. <laughs> yeah, you know everybody. Every actor who plays Bond has to practice how they're going to say that line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just a classic, classic scene. Oh, and and one other just sort of random trivia and just kind of goofy stuff. But in Italy, this film was called *License to Kill*, oh. which which caused a small problem 27 years later <laughs> when there was a movie called *License to Kill*. That is interesting trivia. So. 
not a whole lot of gadgets in this one. Probably the goofiest stuff was uh, what Dr. No had and, of course, his always memorable anti-radiation plastic suit that he wore. <laughs> yes. Um, which I think was a direct parody that uh, Mike Myers did in the first Austin Powers. Mm-hmm, but. Mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, that whole lair was just cool. It had these sliding copper doors and and the and these uh, vault-like entrance that they 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 came through with uh, where the um, nurses or whatever they were the assistants were waiting for him and it was it was looked like it was carved out of a volcano or something yes. it was a it was a bauxite mine or something is what they said it was underneath um, but just that whole that whole set was was pretty cool yeah it was and and set the trend for so many parts of of Bond lore yes yeah moving forward. Mm-hmm. So uh, speaking of moving forward, let's let's hop on to the next yes the, the next film. And, and in my mind, this is kind of where everything that we think about Bond really gets solidified. Yeah, and uh, and we're talking about from Russia with love. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the basic premise of this movie is that Spectre wants to kill Bond, and so they get Red Grant from Russia to go and uh, his job is to kill Bond and the idea is that they're going to lure him in with a woman who says she's in love with him and give Red the opportunity to kill him. Yep. Now, I'm pretty sure in the books it was Smirsh, the death, the spy, anti-spy thing, but uh, Spectre is is going to basically fit heavily in all of these Connery movies and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to Thunderball. So, yeah, uh, one of the great things about From Russia With Love is this is the introduction of Desmond Llewellyn as Q. All right. And he will be Q for uh, till deep into Pierce Brosnan. I think Die Another Day is his last, his last movie. Yeah. And what, right. what works great about that was that he actually got to have sort of a send-off. You know, he, he was retiring, and he, I think his last line is that you, you need to know when it's, it's time to go away. Mm-hmm. And uh, shortly after that movie came out, he passed away. So mm-hmm. I was glad that he was able to, to do that because his, you know, you just picture him as this guy who just wants to work on the gadgets, and all these guys come in and they destroy all of his work, <laughs> you know. Yes. Yeah. Try to return it in one piece, Mr. Bond. <laughs> exactly. And it got a little comical, certainly in the Connery year, or in the Moore years. Yeah. Uh, but uh, everything did, so. Yeah. Um, but, it's, always uh, yes. fun to, it's always fun to see what the gadgets are, though. It was one of my favorite parts as I was a teen, anyway, going up, was to see what the latest thing was that was going to come out of that, out of Q branch. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, well, and, and in fact, they had some great gadgets in this one. They had the they had the attaché case. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, yes. Gosh, that was full of what the uh, gold sovereigns yep. and the talcum powder that exploded and yep. um, knives that popped a knife. Out. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then he had that AR seven rifle, which was the rifle that oh. kind of fits inside the stock, mm-hmm. and uh, which is actual real rifle, and. Right. Yeah, and so they used it, and they had like an infrared scope on it. And I remember, you know, they're they're shooting somebody through a, a it's a building that has a billboard painted on it. Oh, that's right. And the mouth opens up, and the yeah. guy climbs out on a rope. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> and then uh, Tatiana Romanov. You know, th- there's always, all the Bond women are, are always beautiful, but mm-hmm. I always thought she was particularly fetching. <laughs> yes, yes, she was. She had a particular air about her. Yes, indeed. And and uh, 
and the whole the whole scene on the boat where he's trying to record her talking about the uh, the lector, which is the machine they're trying to get uh, out of the consulate. And, and she's, oh, Joy James, you know, I love yeah, you, will you? she's all smitten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, that was just a great part. Yes, it was. So and, she, and this one had a really great train scene on it. Um, mm-hmm. Because Red Grant is there and Bond thinks he's a, a, an MI6 agent because Red Grant has killed the MI6 agent and taken his place. Yep. And so they're all on this train. And basically Red Grant's just waiting for the right time to, to kill Bond yes. and... He makes one 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 fatal mistake. Well, he makes one mistake that tips Bond off. And what was that? <laughs> he ordered red wine with fish at dinner. I know. So I know. I gotta think t- about wine, but I know apparently that you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious because um, my wife and I drink drink wine. I don't drink much anymore, but um, anytime she orders red wine with fish at dinner. <laughs> You know, to this day, uh, her, she'll get her asked, you know, by me or she knows it herself. She's as equally a Bond fan as I am, but, you know. Um, <laughs> Got to check to uh, see if she's been replaced with a Russian duplicate. That's right, right. She may be a spy because she's <laughs> mixed up her wine with her fish. So anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, he plays it. He, he does this whole English, um, you know, pretending to be an Englishman and, and having dinner with them. And forget what he ordered, something different, something unusual. Yep. yep. And uh, eventually the jig is up, and he's got Bond in this compartment with a gun on him. And, of course, Bond's big quote is, you know, red wine with fish. That should have told me something. And Mm -hmm. Red Grant later replies that you may know the right wines, but you're the one on your knees. That's right. Now, Red has a a gadget of his own. He has a Garrett watch, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. He pulls that out, and he's choking choking Bond. Choking Bond, but eventually he makes it out. (laughs) Yes, of course. Indeed. Oh, and the other the other kind of hench- this one's interesting. Blofeld is sort of mentioned in this, but I don't think we ever see him. I think we just see him stroking the cat. Right. Probably just you know just the cat, like no yeah. face. Yeah. And in fact, whenever I'm stroking my cat, I call it I'm Blofelding <laughs> the cat. <laughs> so and this is kind of going to kind of back to the last one. Like there's a certain like phrases and terms that just you know carry yes. on through the years. Exactly. Um, you know, other characters that kind of come come out of this is, um, I don't know if he's actually called off, but isn't that General, like, Gogol or whatever that's uh, training, at the, oh. the training center at the beginning? Is that the same character that we see from through, throughout time? It could it could very well be. Um, or the same see, the actor, tricky th- anyway. Yeah, certainly, yeah, the the thing, tricky thing with the Bond movies is they recycle actors and they and they recycle characters, and yeah. so like it's sometimes it's hard for me to keep track of, you know. Sometimes Bond gets his orders from M. Sometimes he gets them from a, a different person, mm-hmm. um, and and yeah, it's it's always that's why I appreciate Q because I can recognize him each movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, there's two other bad guys, and I can't remember one of them. Constantine or Kasp—it's not Kasparov, but he's—he's he's this chess expert, brilliant guy who oh, Blofeld's yes. using mm-hmm. to—he's mm-hmm. the one that kind of creates this whole plan. And then there's uh, Rosa Klebb, yes, who is the kind of shrew-like woman who's kind of in charge of uh, of, of Tatiana. Tatiana. Mm-hmm. And she's got her own gadgets. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, yes, those fancy little <laughs> shoes with a little. Yep. Uh, with a little blade that pops out with some sort of poison on him. 
Yeah, exactly. And what's interesting at the end of the movie, she comes in dressed as a as a maid for the hotel that Bond's in, uh, presumably with Tatiana, and mm-hmm. and uh, or I guess not presumably it is with her. Yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then she starts to attack him, trying to kick him, and he he dispatches her eventually. Um, but what's interesting in the book is it ends with her kicking Bond. He goes unconscious, and that's sort of the end of the book. Oh. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, I know Bond comes back, but they, you know, like many times, they never bother to really tie back to a previous movie very often or a previous book. Um, in fact, actually, this one they did because at the very beginning, uh, Tatiana, or not Tatiana, Sylvia Trench is is there in Bond's flat when he gets called to go to the meeting to go, you know, start this next mm-hmm. mission. Yes, and you're right. That is probably the longest relationship he's ever had. <laughs> <laughs> he is quite the ladies' man. He is. Anything else about From Russia with Love, or do you want to jump on? Well, we did. We mentioned earlier, uh, Karen Bay was his his sort of equal in in oh, right. Constantinople area. Uh, he actually died, I think, during the movie. Is sort of the trivia, or shortly thereafter. This was like his last film. I don't remember the actor's name, but that was a big a big trivia uh, item. Yeah, that's right. Um, and um, anyway, uh, I, I really like. Uh, we haven't talked much about music yet. Oh, um, right. but, um, I'm a huge fan of the uh, James Bond music soundtracks and things. And, uh, uh, from Russia with love is one of my, one of my favorite kind of romantic style, uh, versions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but th- there's sort of two, two areas of music in the Bond movies. And the first is, is the soundtracks and the soundtracks themselves. The scores are, are almost universally fantastic. Um, and then you also have the lead song, which mm-hmm. starts to get, you know, bigger and bigger. I think Goldfinger is probably the first one where it really jumps yeah. out. Yeah, Shirley, um, Shirley Bassey. Yep, Shirley Bassey. And well, actually, let's go ahead and move on to Goldfinger. Okay. Probably the most Bond movie of all the Bond movies. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have Goldfinger. Um, Goldfinger's shtick is he likes gold. Yes, uh, he does. And it's kind of nice because uh, there's no Spectre actually in this one. He's just off on his own, just wanting to become as rich as he can possibly be yes yes he wants his gold to be his most valuable thing in the world exactly and he's got an he's got a henchman and who's that henchman odd job odd job the giant <laughs> silent asian with the with the dirt the razor brimmed derby <laughs> yeah yeah that's pretty cool <laughs> it is i love it when he he throws it in it and it knocks the head off of the statue at the golf course and yeah that's of course, of course, the golf course that uh, Goldfinger owns. <laughs> right, Connery is like, well, they can't like you know something about they can't be happy about that. And he's like, oh, yeah, but the owners can't like that. And he's like, well, yeah. I am the owner. I am the owner. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I remember. Yeah, Bond is not too happy because, uh, or not necessarily unhappy, but uh, he discovers that Goldfinger cheats at golf, and mm-hmm. that just lowers him in Bond's mind. So Bond kind of plays him at his own game and ends up beating him. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of leads him on to the next, the next thing. Yeah, and I forget what sets Bond off on the beginning. Was it just a question of a lot of gold? Oh, it was that Goldfinger was smuggling gold, but they couldn't figure out how. That's correct. What it was. Yeah, they were trying to figure out how. Yeah, this is also kind of the beginning, I think, too, of like James Bond knowing everything, right? Oh, so you remember yeah. That, remember, yeah, so he knows how to golf really well, not well, you know, pretty reasonably well. And he knows everything about gold, you know. So they they go to the they go to the mint offices in England. I forget what they called it, and uh, 
And the guy goes, what do you know about gold? And he tells him all about gold. And of course he knows about the, the fancy Nazi piece of gold that he has. And they give him a, a piece of brand, some brandy. And he tells him where it was made from <laughs> the original, the original wine, you yep. know, and Em's <laughs> just looking at him all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I had forgotten about that because uh-huh. what's interesting is like each of the actors, of course, brings a different, sort of aspect of bond and Connery's kind of creating it all along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, uh, because like lately, the, like the Daniel Craig bond, he's not really an expert in anything. He's just yeah. sort of the, the blunt force. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, kind of, which is okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's all different aspects of bond. <laughs> yes. Um, so one of the best lines, one of my favorite lines in all the Bond movies, he's caught by Goldfinger. Goldfinger's going to shoot him with this laser. Mm-hmm. And Bond's like, do you expect me to talk? And his response is, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> <laughs> that was my ringtone for a while. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, this one has probably the most little one-liners. I, I wrote a couple down, too. Uh, yeah. Uh, the very beginning... Um, He's he's uh, like a belly dancer dancer scene, and he he's go back to her room, and he blew up something, and then he goes back to the room with some with the girl, and um, and there was a a thug comes in to knock him out, and she had a like this heating lamp next to the tub, and he throws the goon in the tub, and then throws the lamp in and uh, says positively shocking, <laughs> as he yep. as he walks out the door. Yep. And, uh, the other favorite of mine was when when uh, you know, M hands him the case uh, for Goldfinger. He goes, "It sounds like a French nail varnish." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then of course when at some point he gets knocked out and he comes to and he's on a on an airplane and this it's this woman's looking over him and she's like, "My name is Pussy Galore," and he goes, "I must be dreaming." <laughs> yes, I mean the name and she's a beautiful woman. Uh, yes, honor, honor Blackman. Who was on the Avengers, the original season of the Avengers. Was she? Hmm. Yep, she was the first, uh, she was pre-Diana Rigg. Okay, I'm a big Diana Rigg person, so. Me I too, which we'll, which we'll get to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> another show, another show. Well, actually, in a, in a couple of movies. Oh, oh, we'll oh in a her. couple, of, oh, not a couple, I'm sorry, yeah, you're right. I'm just thinking, <laughs> I was thinking we'd do an old Avengers series too. Yeah, we might have to. <laughs> um, so Felix Leiter was introduced in Dr. No!, uh, but now we have, he comes back here in Goldfinger, and Felix will appear multiple times throughout the, he's kind of Bond's CIA liaison, uh, mm-hmm. and he's almost always a different actor. There's only yes. <laughs> one time that I know that he's the same actor. Yeah. And uh, the second time he's on there, he gets eaten by a shark, so. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so the uh, Goldfinger, again, follows the book pretty closely. Uh, ultimately, Goldfinger's plan is to nuke the gold in Fort Knox, thus creating uh, a greater or a less supply and increasing the value of his gold. Yep. Um, Bond is able to help thwart this by converting Ms. Galore from bad guy to good guy. Mm-hmm. And they replace the nerve gas with, I guess it's actually nothing because all the guys just pretend to fall asleep. Yeah. All the soldiers pretend to fall asleep. Um, Bond is, what I loved about this, at the climactic scene was, you know, Bond's fighting odd job here at the, and there's a nuclear bomb counting down, and he's just outclassed. I mean, he cannot physically beat odd job. Right, exactly. And so it was refreshing, you know, that Mr. Mr. Bond, who, 
who could beat Red Grant. He just really can't beat Oddjob. But he ultimately gets to throw him into uh, in, against some bars and then grabs a wire and electrocutes the bars to, to electrocute. Oh, no, 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 it was. Oddjob threw his hat and it, and it oh, hit the bars right. and then he was grabbing his hat. That was it. And, and, then, then, he, electrocuted. and then he electrocuted him. So. That was it, yes. So, it was the hat. So, so Bond was only able to get out of there by wits and luck. Yes, exactly. But that was cool. That was cool. And then, um, oh, gosh, I can't believe it. We forgot the most important thing in the movie, the DB5. The Aston oh, gosh. DB5. Yes. Speaking of gadgets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, so the gadgets, he gets a handful of gadgets, but uh, the biggest thing is 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 the car. And yeah. this is called the world's most famous car, which I've actually seen. Hmm. Um, when I was in London, there was a, we went to a car museum, and they had a James Bond vehicles mm-hmm. exhibit. And so they had all kinds of vehicles from Bond. And they had that one, and they had the one from um, the, the recent Craig one. Um, not Spectre, but the one before that. So, yeah, this car had everything. It had machine guns in the headlights. It had oil and smoke screens. Basically mm-hmm. everything in Car Wars, right? <laughs> it, it had <laughs> yeah. uh, these little things that came out the side to tear out the, ball, to tear out the tires. It had mm-hmm. a, a tracking device. You put a, you put a tracking device in a vehicle, and it mm-hmm. had a little map. Uh, license plates. Follow. Oh, the rotating license plates, yes. And the ejector seat. Ejector seat. And Whatever you do, don't press this button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you, a lot of my uh, a lot of my memories of the DB5 harken more to Cannonball Run than to yeah. uh, Goldfinger. <laughs> and it had this big uh, bulletproof screen that could come up to protect you from behind. From behind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so Bond had this amazing thing, and he tried to get away. And ultimately was foiled by a mirror. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was pretty sad. Actually, was. that was disappointing. It was. Now I did, I did love the the old lady. <laughs> guarding, oh yes, guarding the gate with a machine gun. Yeah, so this <laughs> this little old lady is guarding the gate, and Bond's kind of blown through, and then she comes back out with an AK forty seven and just starts <laughs> yeah. shooting at him. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, but what's uh, interesting about that car is that it is far and away. One of the most expensive classic cars you can buy now, and nope. it is so uh, way more than it should be. Like if you bought another Aston Martin that wasn't a DB5 from that mm-hmm. era, I mean you you're talking tens of thousands of dollars. But in this car, I think it's at least 1.2 million. Wow! Um, because of Bond, I'm sure. Because of Bond, that is only because of Bond. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And as my my mother likes to point out, that she once dated a guy who drove one. So oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's dad he was a jaguar man so oh yeah um yeah there's a there's a, a spy museum in uh, washington dc that has a whole james bond collection they have a sort of a shell of a db5 mm-hmm. and then they have the green bad guy car from the um the dalton not the dalton the uh oh the the green jaguar from die another day yes thank you yes uh there among among other james bond gadgets and things yeah, I've actually been there too. Okay, they have a uh, pseudo uh, air conditioning vent you can crawl through and spy on other people while they're in the in the zoo museum. <laughs> that I don't remember. Uh, you, you have smaller kids; you look for those kinds of things. Sure, sure. Uh, oh, and the last thing is Bond's, you know, trying to deactivate the nuclear bomb, and he he clips it, and it stops at 007. Yes. Now this is when he doesn't do it though. I don't think. I think the 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 they they finally oh. get in. Yeah, that's and, right. That's and he's right. like he's like st- you know what do we do? And he's thinking about cutting a wire or pulling a switch. And the guy comes in and just click 
turns yep. it off. But it's at <laughs> that's right. It's at 007, which is just like, oh, geez. That's right. And, and interestingly, if you watch the continuity, it goes below 007 mm-hmm. and then sort of jumps back up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They have to do that. Indeed. All right. So next is Thunderball. Now, Thunderball has kind of a checkered past. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, Fleming was like, oh, we should make a James Bond movie and write a James Bond movie. So he gets the help of a guy named Kevin McClory, and they start kind of working to write this movie. And so they come up with this script, and then while McClory's trying to get it made, uh, Ian Fleming's going to go write the novel for it. Okay. And uh, the movie never gets made, and but the book gets published. And so now, all of a sudden, these, these Bond movies are getting made, and... So there's a lawsuit about who owns what rights. And ultimately what comes out of it is that McElroy gets the film rights for Thunderball and uh, Fleming gets the, the rights, the, the print rights. Yeah. So now McElroy's like, okay, great. Let's try and get this movie made. He tries to get it made. It doesn't happen. So he decides to go to the people who are making all the James Bond movies and they say, okay, so we'll make this. Correct. And uh, the last movie we talk about will tie directly back into this as well. <laughs> exactly. This also makes Spectre kind of a weird, because Spectre's heavy in this movie, it makes it kind of a weird legal entity. And, and that's why you'll notice it starts to disappear in the Bond movies, because there's some uncertainty of who actually owns Spectre. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, and that actually is what led to in Fear Eyes Only, where at the beginning, uh, Roger Moore ends up picking up Blofeld on that uh, wheelchair <laughs> yes. and dumping them into the to the smokestack. It's basically saying we're done with Spectre, and you don't hear from Spectre again until the movie Spectre. Really, yeah, that's interesting. So, uh, all right. So uh, Tom Jones sings the theme song to this particular one. Mm-hmm. Another good one. Yep. Yeah. And Blofeld is here. Uh, interestingly, Blofeld has an eye patch in this particular movie, if I remember correctly. Correct. Blofeld has many different physical disabilities that change depending on which movie you're in and which actor is playing him. Yes. And so this is one where Spectre is going to try and take over the world. They're stealing nuclear missiles or nuclear bombs or something, getting their hands on some nuclear weapons. Yeah. And so MI6 is like, all right, we got to pull out all the stops. And so they call in all the double O agents. And there's this interesting scene where Bond's the last one to show up, and there's nine of them total. Periodically, you meet other double O's in the movies. You definitely meet 006 and 009. I can't mm-hmm. remember of any of the others that you meet. Um, I seem yeah. to think you meet 006 multiple times because he either. I'm not sure which one we see get killed in, in Octopussy, but one of them. I think that's nine. Oh, okay. If I remember correctly. But yeah. So yeah, so they are, they're going to go and try and fight Spectre, and there's a, a lot of water in this one. This is one of the most heavily, right up there with uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, the most heavily sort of mm-hmm. water based mm-hmm. one. Yep. Um, there's a, a yacht, I think, that uh, Blofeld the and Domino. Disco Volare. That's it, yes. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know what that means, but it's... Uh, well, <laughs> fast. Something. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and uh, pretty much the entire climax of the movie happens underwater and in the, the secret, the secret uh, Spectre base that Bond has to go in and, and fight on. And he's got some, some gadgets to help with that. He's got a, a rebreather. This mm-hmm. little thing he holds in his mouth that apparently gives him as much air as a scuba tank. He's got a, uh, what is it, that scuba tank with a propeller on it. Yeah, yeah, like drives him around. Yeah, and uh, fires off some harpoons and things like that. And, uh, oh, this is the movie where Sean Connery is finally the man shooting at the beginning of the with the gun barrel sequence oh, okay. as well. Good. 
And uh, just other kind of useless random trivia in Italy, Bond is known as Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And mm-hmm. so if you listen to the music other than the the theme song, there's a lot of kind of a Kiss Kiss Bang Bang theme around it. Yeah. Um, it, it pops up multiple times. Yeah, there's uh, a song uh, on one of the soundtracks I have actually around that whole thing calling him mm-hmm. Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I think it's Shirley Bassey that sings it. I'm I not, think so. Could I'm pretty be. sure. Uh, and just as a total aside, there is a movie that was made in the late 90s, early 2000s called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with uh, Robert Downey Jr. This is pre-Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer as, uh, has nothing to do with Bond. They're quasi-spies. I think they're more thieves than spies. But uh, very good movie. If you ever get the opportunity to, to see it, uh, if you were surprised how well, Connor, or, uh, how well Downey Jr. did in Iron Man, then definitely go see this movie. Cool. Anything else about Thunderball? Yeah, I'd say Thunderball is probably one of my weakest ones of the groupings. Yeah, Um, you know, it just doesn't the the villain the villain bad guys thing doesn't seem that bad. Yeah, they're just stealing a a, an airplane. I remember that lands on the water, and they maybe it has a nuke on it, but they just don't make that big deal of it. Right. you know, there's, it's, it is fun to see some of the water stuff. That was an interesting change. It was a lot... Um, it felt slower paced to me. Yeah. Or yeah, long. That's, maybe that's it. Yeah. So, I, I, like, I've seen Goldfinger probably a dozen times, but Thunderball yes. I've probably only seen a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I would say... I would, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. All right. Now we get to... Connery is starting to get tired with Bond. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he makes noises that this is going to be his last Bond film. Yes. And so we bring in You Only Live Twice. And um, a couple things. This well, this one is nothing like the book. There's one or two scenes from the book. But other than that, this is whole, the, the screenwriters came up with this. And this is the this is the one where Spectre is stealing capsules of uh, astronauts from space <laughs> with their yes. own little uh, capsule that eats other capsules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Kind of opens up like a Pac-Man sort of thing. Yep. And- swallows it the gra- I mean the, the whole thought of it is just kind of silly when you think about it nowadays but well, yeah it's you know, like if if Spectre can launch and recover a rocket yeah. then why do they need other rockets <laughs> yes other than to cause a war between right yeah Russia and, and America was the whole idea but this is like 1967 right so we went to the mm-hmm. moon in 69 so I guess this was foreshadowing it or I don't know when they were doing the whole earth orbiting things ahead of yeah ahead of the moon landing um but the, you know, again, this was getting back to my earlier topic. This was very, I think, very timely to what was happening in the world. Like we were getting ready to do the moonshot. We were racing with the Russians in this in this race to get race. The space was going on, and so this movie was reflecting uh, a, 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 that that same thing. Just with, yeah, you know, with rockets going back and forth up to space, and and Inspector trying to cause a cause a war during the space race yeah and, and i think that also leads to why this isn't really follow the book very much because you know the book was written in the late 50s early 60s so mm-hmm. you know the space race really might not have even been much of a thing when fleming was writing it and uh even moonraker the book which is actually a collection of short stories um does have a little bit of of space in it but i think that was written much much later so yeah you, it bond it always tries to and we'll see that whether it's current political events or social events or something like that, uh, especially 
uh, like for civil rights with the Moore movies. Those that mm-hmm. was there was a lot of that in there. Um, so the reason this is called "You Only Live Twice" was because at the very beginning Bond is killed. <gasps> Yes. <laughs> and he even has a burial at sea. That's correct. Yeah. And a very, a very, you know, it's kind of interesting because he's in the Navy and it's done in a whole special way. They like bury him at sea or something. Kind, yep. of, kind of learning about how that's done. Yeah. Um, they don't want to explain then, it very well, but it's just cause kind of unusual to see. Yeah. And they don't really explain why they did all that. Yeah. The idea is that maybe he was getting too famous. And like like in the role playing game, that was a thing you could do if your fame got too high. You could you could fake your death. Um, yeah, we'll find out when we get to uh, Diamonds Are Forever that apparently even smugglers know who James Bond is. So <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I don't true. know how well this worked. <laughs> oh my God! You just killed James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I gave away the quote too early. Um, That's okay. That's okay. We'll get to it. Not a problem. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. Uh, there's a couple of fun things about this one. Yeah, so Spectre is stealing astronauts and is going to try and cause a war between the United States and Russia. And so uh, apparently America, or I'm sorry, Britain's the only one that kind of knows really what's going on. So they're going to send James Bond in to, to, to figure it out and to stop it. And so they know that Spectre has a base in Japan. So they send him off to Japan and uh, he meets Tiger Tanaka there, mm-hmm. who is kind of... Uh, I don't know, M's equivalent, I think, for the Japanese yeah. Secret Service. Yeah. And so the, I guess they figure the best way for Bond to figure things out is to plant him in a fishing village that is near the base that Blofeld or that Spectre has. And the best way to kind of plant him in there is to uh, have him dress and quasi almost look like a Japanese person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then marry <laughs> Kissy Suzuki. Yes. And then, you know, sort of poses as a... As a fisherman. Right. And so, which is probably the most undercover Bond ever gets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Usually he's not at all very, he's just, a, I'm James Bond. Yep. He just here kind I of am. a blunt instrument normally, mm-hmm. but here mm-hmm. he actually attempts to do some, some spying. <laughs> yeah. Another great vehicle, another vehicle that I've always loved is uh, Little Nelly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Bond figures out there's something going on with some helicopters. He needs an, uh, uh, or not that there's something going on helicopters, but he needs to see the top of this this island. And so he tells Q to bring Little Nelly. And Little Nelly is an auto gyro, which yeah. is basically a helicopter without a powered top blade. And it comes in like six suitcases, and they put it together. And he's going to fly around and kind of scope things out. But, of course, Spectre sees him, and they send all kinds of attack helicopters to uh, to try and take him out. But luckily for him, Little Nelly has a few weapons. That's right. A couple <laughs> and, missiles or machine yeah. guns. And... By a few. I mean, this thing has more weapons <laughs> than an Apache helicopter. <laughs> yeah. It's got two missiles. It's got machine guns. It's got folding fin aerial rockets. It's got a <laughs> rear-mounted flamethrowers. Aerial mines that d- come down on a parachute. <laughs> Is that right. all of them? Does it have I a bomb? Can't, I, can't I think remember. that's everything. But it's yep. just, it's, it's, it's amazing. And luckily, the uh, bad guy helicopter pilots take turns attacking him, so he can dispense with them one at a time using all the different weapons and equipment. But it's a, it's an amazing little, little vehicle, and it's a really fun scene watching him race around and, mm-hmm. and fight these guys. Mm-hmm. And then eventually he discovers that what what looks like a volcano lake isn't really a lake at all. It's a secret lair. It's a secret lair. He throws a rock on it where he was expecting it to go (laughs) bloop, and instead it hits this metal. And yeah, this is, uh, 
now, now Dr. Yo had, Dr. Yo, Dr. No had sort of the quintessential bad guy base. Um, but uh, you only have twice. This base is, is, I mean, it's got everything. It's got monorails to take the people back mm-hmm. and forth. Yeah. Uh, it's got rocket pads. It's got just everything you could possibly want in a bad guy base. Yeah. And I think you see this again in the, uh, the Incredibles, if you've probably seen that. As yeah. A kids movie. Kind of a throwback to that sort of giant, you know, monorails and secret base thing. It's so in in depth in our culture that there's all these references that if you if you don't know Bond, then you sort of miss all of these other culture, you know, things. Yeah. It's like my my daughter asked if she could watch Austin Powers, and I was like, well, you can, but you know, you really need to watch these 26 Bond movies first <laughs> so you can get most of these jokes. Yeah. Yeah. So they decide, okay, we're gonna have to attack. The base, and so luckily Tiger Tanaka has a group of ninjas in the <laughs> Japanese Secret Service, and they go and they uh, they go and assault the base. And now here's here's one of my favorite things that that starts to appear in James Bond movies is all the henchmen are all dressed in orange or oh, whatever. Yes. I don't remember, you yeah, know. They all have their uniform, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> and all the ninjas come come down on their ropes and they're all in black, you know, and it's just, it's just this mega battle going on, but everyone's conveniently in their two colors. Yeah, nicely color-coded. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually kind of refreshing. One of the uh, the the second Craig, Daniel Craig movie at the beginning, he's in this brutal hand-to-hand fight with this guy and it's two guys in suits fighting with the jerky mm-hmm. cameras and quick cuts mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I'm going to assume Bond wins because I have no idea who's who's fighting who at this point. I know point. exactly what you're saying about that scene. <laughs> so I certainly appreciate the color-coded bad guys. <laughs> and hey, if you've got a large, you know, multinational criminal organization, it just makes good financial sense just to get a whole bunch of jumpsuits, right? It does. It does. I always wondered what that job application looked like. or where, How do you get that job? You know, is it in the newspaper, wanted, goon, um, <laughs> you know, pay 401k? Yeah, it's not so much the goons. It's always like the the accountants, you know, because somebody's gotta gotta be doing the accounts receivable for this yes. or the accounts payable for this, you know. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just thought I was, you know, applying for a job or is a temp agency or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, and then uh, Bond is this the one where he's tied underneath the rocket exhaust and has to escape? Mm-hmm, is yeah, that Moonraker. I, no, that's that's this that's one. That one. Yep. So he and uh, Kissy Suzuka have to break away and or kissy suzuki and get out of there before they're roasted by the rocket engines and yeah and uh ultimately of course saves the day and yeah now one of my favorite scenes in this one is is as during that whole assault uh blofeld's in this impregnable impregnable uh bomb shelter thing and they close the blast doors and He's in there, and there's explosions going on, and they're trying to put mines and things on these steel shutters to to get in. And uh, that's when Bond's in there with one of his gadgets. He's got the uh, the uh, cigarette with the oh, yeah, the uh, rocket cigarette, the rocket cigarette. But if if you if you watch the movie closely, the cat is freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Poor cat. I know. Yeah. Oh, I oh. should mention that that Blofeld is a totally different actor again, and this yep. time he's got sort of that lazy eye, yes, scar across the eye. So, keeping with the with the uh, eye patch scene, but he doesn't doesn't necessarily uh, stick around, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or, exactly. Yeah. So, I always liked uh, Donald Pleasance. Maybe was the was the guy who played Blofeld. Uh, I think that's who it is. Yeah. I've always liked this Blofeld. He's probably been my favorite of them mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. all. 
Yeah, he, this also gets a lot more screen time, I think, yeah. on this one. Yeah, it's almost as if all of the other movies were leading up to this big plot to, mm-hmm. to, to, uh, to cause a war and take over. And, and, uh, and he escapes at the end. And, and honestly, I confuse it's this escape with the escape from Austin Powers at the beginning because <laughs> they're both fairly similar. A stainless steel you know, thing yes. that he escapes away from. So that's the end of You Only Live Twice. Uh, Connery has said, you know, I'm done. And so now there's a big, let's find a new Bond. And they search all over, and all kinds of people are, are offered. Uh, actually, Roger Moore is offered the, the position part of Bond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he was um, doing and, The Saint or something, Yep, probably. he was doing The Saint. Timothy Dalton was offered it, but he felt mm-hmm. that he was kind of too young. Um, and so ultimately, they hire George Lazenby, who, mm-hmm. uh, was he a boxer? He was an actor. He was, he was a model. 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 Okay. I mean, he was a model. He didn't. He didn't know how to act. That he was, was a model, it. and he just he just went in and faked his audition. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he just faked it, and so they picked him, and so he was the new Bond. And so, story wise, this movie has the biggest impact on Bond himself. I think. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens to Bond, the the character. And it's just a disappointment that it's it's George Lazenby that has to try and carry it off. Mm-hmm. So, I don't I don't I don't have a problem with him. I, he's kind of grown on me over the years. This is this is probably of the this is probably one of my favorite Bond movies. Yeah, I can, over time, I can I can certainly see that. Mm-hmm. Well, but, let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say it has a lot to do with a lot of the other characters. Yeah, yeah, that's too. that's exactly right. Um, you know. So at the beginning, in the, in the opening scene, Bond's in a fist fight, and at one point he gets punched into the face, and he looks into the camera, and he says, well, this never happened to the other fella. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As if everyone's like, wink, wink, nod, nod. Okay, we get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Classic classic James Bond kind of. Yep. Oh, something I can meaning to bring up, but I, I keep forgetting, is that MI6 apparently doesn't have its own office, or if it does, it's trying to keep it as secret as possible, because it's always appearing under the company Universal Exports. Oh, that's right. That's sort of what's on his business card. and Yeah, and, and, and so all of these times, and it won't be until uh, Pierce Brosnan's bonds that they actually have an official MI6, and it's the actual MI6 building that they show. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the longest time, it's Universal Exports, and, and yeah, that's his quote-unquote cover, although it rarely is, is used. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and so in this case, uh, so the biggest thing here, of course, is that Bond finds a woman that he feels he could, he could love forever. And boy, did he pick the right one. <laughs> yes, he did. We talked about her a, little, a few minutes ago. That was Diana Rigg. Uh, yes, Diana Rigg. So, of course, famous for being in the Avengers, the black and white, uh, or and color spy series. Mm-hmm. Just oh, one of the most all-time beautiful women I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. And, and she's, yeah, I mean, she's really gorgeous in this and wears some really beautiful outfits and... Uh, yeah. Um, just, yeah, she does a good, she does a good job here. Yeah, and so it's interesting. She, uh, Bond meets her, they're driving on the cars and they're kind of racing each other and... Ultimately, she tries to commit suicide, and he, and yeah. he stops it. And they uh, they they form a relationship, and to the point where Bond is, is almost he's ready to quit. You know, mm-hmm. stop being a spy. Uh, unfortunately, Blofeld is back again, and this time, who plays Blofeld? 
No, Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas, who you know, as an actor, is fine. I certainly enjoy a lot of the things. It's just, it's just a we- he. He plays a weird Blofeld. Yeah. Because and, yeah, <laughs> he's got his ear issue. Or, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. He has no earlobes <laughs> instead of his scars or right, eye patch. right. <laughs> and, and and Blofeld's. Do you remember what Blofeld's ultimate goal is in this movie? What his plot is? No, I don't. It, 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 so, I mean, ideally, he's hypnotizing all these people, uh, all these women, and so he can he can then get amnesty for his crimes and have a British title. I think it's British, but a, a oh, title recognized. That is absolutely correct. <laughs> so, it's it's just you know, last movie I was trying to cause World War Three. This movie. You know, I'm, I'm changed my mind. I'm lowering my goals. Yeah, be that as it may, it's it's fine. Um, and so yeah, so Bond has to go undercover again, even though he's been face to face with Blofeld. <laughs> but again, we won't want to throw about it. So he's got to try and uh, is he's trying to track his his family heritage of the yes. of his fake yeah yeah yeah. Uh, he's trying to uh, Blofeld's trying to prove. That he has a certain heritage or something like that. And so he's hired this genealogist and Bond's pretending to be the genealogist. That's right. That's for right, Hillary. Yeah. Hillary something or another. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they're up in Piz Gloria, which is a mm-hmm. sort of a ski retreat up in, is it Sweden or Switzerland? Or Switzerland, something? I think, yeah, yeah. But it's pretending to be this uh, health clinic. Full of beautiful uh, women. <laughs> full of beautiful, beautiful women. And, and then, of course, the frumpy... Uh, German woman. <laughs> oh, is it Helga Brandt? Helga Brandt. Yes, yes. yes I, yeah. Oh, yeah. She she comes important again. She's uh-huh. very much in the cl- in the in the cut of Rosa Klebb. Yeah, yeah. I'd say she's in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and the uh, and the other thing that was kind of wink, wink, nod, nod in this is that they did a lot of work to make it tie into the other Bond movies. So, like, if when Bond quits and he's packing up his office, he's got Honey Child's knife. He's got mm, the yes. Garrett watch from Red Grant, his and rebreather then, from Thunderball. And then if you remember, even the background music played was the music from all the movies as he, yeah. as he looked at all those little gadgets. Which he couldn't own any of those gadgets <laughs> because of different things. You know, Red Grant was off thrown off the train. The rebreather yeah. was lost in the ocean. I forget. What, but anyway, That's, be that as it may. Oh, yeah. and a janitor whistles the theme of Goldfinger when he walks by. <laughs> all right. So. But again, you know, because you can imagine what the producers were worried about because, you know, Connery Bond is this huge thing and now they have a whole new actor and so they've got to make sure people are, you know, the concept of a movie reboot was was kind of unknown, or at least not very common at the time. So Yeah, yeah. So lots of skiing. This is one of those skiing movies. Yeah. Um, that, which kind of comes back into in theme now and then. And I, I, yeah. think, I think that's the start of the chase scene. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where they start to have some really between the chase between Diana or excuse me uh, Tracy and Bond, uh-huh. and then a bunch of the tra- chases on the ski slope. Correct. And Even at the end, there's the uh, the, the toboggan thing with him yeah. and, and uh, Blofeld. But the music during the skiing is just fantastic. Yeah, uh, classical music score, and whenever that comes on, and I'm driving my car, I kind of like swaying, <laughs> you know, kind of like swishing my car. Yeah. And when I'm down the freeway, because uh, I feel like I need to uh, ski in, ski along with the the music, so I can see that. I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, Bond, of course, defeats Blofeld, and then um, 
and then he's married. Oh, I should mention that uh, that uh, Tracy is the daughter of a mob boss. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, Bond actually kind of works around mob bosses now and again. Mm-hmm. It'll happen again in for, for your eyes only. Uh, but yeah, they get married, and they're going off on their honeymoon. And I'm too choked up. You'll have to tell what happens, Patrick. Oh, well. They're, uh, and they're on like on a mountain pass and, um, and she's crying and, and they're, and they're talking about they'll, they'll, they'll always have forever and a car drives by and, um, shoots him up. And it yep. turns out it is Blofeld who had gotten, um, hit a tree and he's in like a head cast or neck cast or something. And, um, Helga Brandt, uh, holding a machine gun, uh, shooting, shooting by and, and, um, Bond turns and looks, and uh, and Tracy's dead. Yep, and that's and that's it's a pretty gripping scene, actually. She's got yeah. blood stains, and yeah, yeah. And to think of the woman who tamed Bond, as it were. Um, Correct. I mean, this is this is just a big uh, a big impact, and it's the same ending that happens in the book. So it was uh, it was certainly something that had been known for a while, I guess. But uh, still, even when you see it, it's just it's a very impactful, impactful scene. Yeah, it's a it's a very touching movie. Um, and, and again, I think that I think that, you know, again, pushes forward his, you know, love and relieve him attitude towards women and throw away, throw caution to the wind and, and beat up these bad guys and not care anymore is what right. James Bond becomes from now on was the whole idea of this, the end of this movie. Right. Um, yeah, the tombstone says, beloved wife of James Bond, we have all the time in the world, like you had said before. We have all the time in the world. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it really, I mean, realistically, there's not a lot of character development in Bond, uh, at Mm -hmm. least, you know, as these movies go by. And certainly when we talked about Brosnan, that's going to be kind of a, a, a sticky point for me because there were some great opportunities where they could up, you know, modify or really deal with bond as a character but they they chose not to but um but you're right i mean this bond at this point will never be involved in a woman more than one movie you know i mean you know that his relationships because he still loves his wife and uh so yeah i just he he basically comes schlepping back to mi6 like i have nothing kind of else in my life so yeah let's go uh let's go do that all right. That a ha- that's a happy note. That's a happy note. Well, let's <laughs> let's move on to a much lighter note, and that is yeah. Diamonds Are Forever. Yeah, this one was pretty light. It was. It was yeah. indeed. I thought this one was interesting that it moves to Las Vegas. I mean, they just totally, totally mix things up. Yes, um, and it's and it's Vegas, Vegas, too. It's yes. not, uh, I mean, yeah. it's... Yeah. Lazenby was actually offered the movie, and he declined. Okay. I guess he was, he'd had enough, or he wanted to do something else. Um, the directors wanted Burt Reynolds, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, which, I don't think it'd be a great Bond. I think it'd be neat to see him in a Bond-like mm-hmm. role, but I don't, yeah. Uh, John Gavin was the one that actually won the part. I'm not even, I don't even know who John Gavin is. No, but me neither. Connery suddenly decides he wants to come back, and so they buy out Gavin's contract and and bring Connery back for one more movie. Um, he got $1.25 million for this, and this is in 1971, and yeah. he donated that to a Scottish charity. And the big thing, I think, for him was he got the agreement that UA would make any two films he wanted to make, United Artists. 
I have no idea what those films were. <laughs> Part of me hopes Zardoz was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, so Connery is back. He's back as Bond. And um, he's investigating diamond smuggling for, yeah. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Although they investigated gold smuggling before, so it could work. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, so he plays a, uh, he plays a, uh, a, a smuggler. I can't remember his name, but he finds the smuggler. And he's going up in an elevator and they fight each other. Or I should say the smuggler finds him. They fight each other. Bond ultimately kills him. And then Tiffany Case, who's played by Jill St. John, she, uh, she, um, he's like, oh, who is that? And, and he switches IDs real quick. And that's, yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. like, you just killed James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm sure had been a line in the, tra- in the trailer at some point. Yeah, that was a great scene. Yeah, so this, this movie, I enjoy this movie as a whole. Mm-hmm. There is so much 70s in this movie, though. It's, it's practically painful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's just that this is, I guess this is one that's kind of dated. Yeah. Maybe that's why you know, there's just things I don't like about it, but it's not bad. It's just, it's, it's kind of it, yeah, light it's, and it's kind of dated. Yeah. This is, uh, you can definitely see a lot of the jokiness of the Roger Moore ones mm-hmm. starting in here. Yeah. Um, of course, it does have one of my favorite lines. So he's, Bond's at a craps table <laughs> and this girl walks up and she's like, hi, I'm plenty. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she's real buxom and he's like, but of course you are. She's like, plenty of tool, plenty of tool. And he's like, named after your father, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, I always like plenty. Uh, I felt bad for her. That was Lana Wood. Yeah, that's actually. Lana Wood. Yeah, of course she passed on. Um, yeah, there's other some other crazy characters, uh, Bambi and Thumper, oh, yeah, uh, the, who attack him in the, the, uh, forget. the female, yeah, henchmen. And there's also Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid. Yeah, the who are kind of implied uh, implied to be gay. Not, yeah, like, not necessarily sir. And they were effeminate hitmen. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and so yeah, they're smuggling diamonds. And if I remember correctly, they're smuggling diamonds to make a satellite to shoot lasers from space. Mm-hmm. That sounds which about right. Is a theme that also appears more than once <laughs> yes yes that's pretty common in a lot of movies yeah i was gonna say and they and they and they secretly take over uh willard white's uh las vegas hotel as their uh as their base of <laughs> as operations. their base of operations yep so willard white is is clearly howard hughes yeah and uh, yeah so no one's seen willard white in forever and so yeah so yeah, they conveniently take... they can just secretly replace him <laughs> yep and uh you know and I don't remember who the criminal organization is. Is it just a generic one, or do they have a name? I thought it was Blofeld was back. Oh, I think you're right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It was another Spectre plot. And, uh, yeah, and so, uh, there's all kind. Of, I just remember Bond going to Circus Circus. The casino. Yes. And uh, <laughs> I keep thinking, Bond would never go to Circus Circus. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably pretty cool back then, though. Yeah, it probably was. And uh, Q has a device to make slot machines pay out. And so he's just going down the way. And he's not collecting any of his winnings, but he's just playing. Yeah, he just wants to see if it's going to work. Yep. Gosh, there's so much that happens in this movie because they end up in an oil rig, which I guess is where they're going to be launching the satellite from. Mm -hmm. And uh, the satellite is controlled by a cassette tape. I think that's its guidance or something. And Bond ends up switching it. (laughs) Yeah, and 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 then... she has it in her um, Jill St. John's, who we haven't actually mentioned, uh, I guess, have we? Uh, Tiffany Case has it in her in her backside of her bikini. backside <laughs> of her bikini, and a little too much cheek shown or something, something yep. like that. Yep. And then they, there's this whole mix-up of who has the real fake one, and 
that goes back and forth. Yeah. Um, and, and at one point, she fires a submachine gun, and the recoil kind of trips her off the back of the of the, the oil rig. Yeah. Yeah, um, comedy of errors at times. Yeah. And then, I can't remember, at some point, Bond is going through the, I guess this is the base underneath the Willard White Hotel, and there's like a whole, like, moon or Mars, I think it's a moon. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're, they're faking the moon landing is what I think it is. Yeah, yeah. And, and, he, and he drives around on the moon buggy. Yeah, he, there's a chase with him on this moon buggy, and the yeah. the bad guys have, like, ATVs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other the other chase is is the car on two wheels. Oh, yeah. So he's racing around Las Vegas Boulevard or whatever it is, and uh, and the other thing that's that's in a little trivia here for you is he he hits he hits something and he goes up on two wheels and he goes into this little goes slot between, between like an two, alley little yeah. alley right uh, on two wheels, but he comes out the other side the opposite direction. Yes, he does. And in fact, I read that at some point they had either filmed or planned to film to where the car goes down and then he hits the other side to go back out. Oh, okay. And, but either they didn't film it or they cut it. Because, yeah, yeah, he's like, how did that switch? <laughs> but that was that was a really cool stunt, actually. Yes, it was a good stunt. Yes. But again, you know, when I was talking about crazy chases, so we started with, you know, simple ski chase, last movie, now we got the... We got the moon buggy chase, we got the car on two wheels chase, and, you know, things start to escalate as Definitely. these movies go on if we if we continue here. Yeah, and like in Roger Moore, uh, like in, uh, is it The Man with the Golden Gun, where they have the the car that does the spiral as it jumps over the bridge? Yes. The broken the, with bridge. The, with, the, with the whistle. With the, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, oh, and the other thing, speaking of kind of cut scenes, was yeah, so so Bond goes back to his hotel room with Plenty O'Toole, and there's all these these mafia thugs in there, and they just <laughs> grab her and throw her out the window, and yeah. she falls in the pool, and like the mafia guy's like, I didn't know there was a pool there. <laughs> yeah. Well, later Bond goes, I think he's going to Willard White's place, I forget where he's going, but she ends up drowned in a different pool, just dead, but they never explain why. Oh, you know, she just shows up dead, and that's when Bambi and Thumper start beating up on, on Bond, and and apparently there was a cut scene where Mister Wint and Mister Kid bump into her. They think she's Tiffany Case, and they kill her, but they they cut that out. And so, like I said, I was always always felt bad for Plenty O'Toole. Mm-hmm. Wrong place, wrong time for. Her. Yeah. Well, there's a whole theme of anyone who who gets involved getting killed, right? With these diamonds, the uh, starts off in Amsterdam, if I remember correctly. Some old la- some old ladies telling a story, and then she dies. That Mister Winton, Mister Kidd are killing anybody that touches these diamonds as they they get around. Yeah, that's I mean, right. At the very end of the movie, they try to kill Bond, of course, with a bomb surprise. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's right. Because yeah, everything's over. Everyone's happy. Bond's in the hotel room with Tiffany Case, and yeah, they try to blow him up, but yeah, to no avail. Not to no avail due to their due to their uh, excessive use of cologne. Yeah, that was right because they had they had a, a noticeable cologne. I had forgotten about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> All righty, so that's the end of Connery's run in the broccoli produced Bond movies. But there is right. one more one more moment for Bond to act. Yes. So remember how I mentioned uh, there was that lawsuit about Thunderball. Well, mm-hmm. part of the the agreement was that they wouldn't make another. Bond movie, a Thunderball Bond movie for 10 years at least. So that that time eventually comes up and so says, all right, I'm going to make another Bond movie. And so 
off they go. And so in 1983, now this is deep in Roger Moore's run. Um, they make Never Say Never Again. So this is a remake of Thunderball. Uh, mm-hmm. They modernized it somewhat, but uh, it is pretty much a remake of Thunderball. And the coup, of course, was to get Sean Connery to once again play Bond. <laughs> Correct. With a little less hair. A little less hair. Now, <laughs> one of the neat things I thought about this was that the, the sort of premise in Thunderball was that Bond has to go to a spa because he's out of shape and has to get sort of back into shape. Yeah. And so that worked well with the, with the significantly older Connery. Yeah, that's true. And uh, in this case, Domino was placed, played by Kim Basinger. Mm-hmm. Much, was, much younger than him at the time, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I tell you, I've only seen it a couple of times. Yeah. Because it was, it, was, uh, it was weird because, you know, like, Q is this sort of absent-minded buddy who's in this really cluttered warehouse and or workshop, I guess. And, you know, all of the relationships that I'm expecting with Q and Penn... Uh, M and Money Penny just are totally different here. Yeah, which you know obviously they have to be, but th- that and again the the uh, nuclear missiles are stolen and Bond has to go stop Blofeld and uh, they have to play a video game that shocks you. Yeah, that's really bad. And I didn't I didn't like the villain. I just found him. And then there was a there's another woman. Is it Fatima Blush? Fat- yes. Uh-huh. Fatima. Yeah, and so she's. You know, she's she's right up there with the the Famke Jansen type uh, bad guy, total total bad guy. Yes, uh, and um, and she's uh, she's got Bond. So there's a fairly neat motorcycle chase actually with Bond on a motorcycle. That's true. Uh, but ultimately, he gets knocked off, and of course, he had slept with her previously, and so she wanted him to write down the fact that she was, you know, James Bond's greatest conquest or, or, or you know, the greatest lover he had. And, and then she's going to shoot him, uh, you know, like once in the crotch and once in the head or something like that. And so he takes out his, his very much Union Jack-covered pen and starts writing this out. But we know, of course, that it's actually a, it's a weapon of some kind. I think the, the pen nib was like a rocket or something. Yeah. And he ends up firing it into her and... It just blows her up like all that's left are smoking boots. <laughs> um, and so that I don't know. It was a it's a one-off Bond movie. They don't they never had plans to make any kind of sequel, obviously, because they didn't have rights to do it. Although, having said that, there were plans to potentially remake it again. You know, just keep mm. recycling it. It was going to call be called Warhead. Uh, Warhead 2000, but um, that kind of fell through as well. And I, and I think that was constantly going on. Uh, until they finally signed off, and I, I don't know the actual details of it, but they finally got all the rights, the Broccoli family finally got all the rights back around the time they were doing the Spectre movie. Good. So there's no more no more Thunderball, which, as we said before, was kind of a weaker of the movies, and so to keep remaking it is, is kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah. So, so speaking of Broccoli's, we haven't really talked about them, but they are actually the family name of the vegetable Broccoli. Yes, yes. They, I forgot about that. You're right. They, they named broccoli. Uh, I think yeah. they imported it in and, and named it. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and the family's been doing like the Albert, Alfred? I don't remember his first name, but he did a lot of the movies, and then he retired, and his daughter... Barbara is his current... Barbara. Barbara, Bar, Barbara's currently doing them as Cubby yeah. was the Cubby. original. That's right. Yeah, Cubby Broccoli. So, yeah. the original. 
And I think they will keep doing that as long as they can keep doing it. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. What are they up to? What, you said 26? I Something kind of like lost that. count. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's hard to keep track. So that's it. Man, this is a long episode. Yes, it was. But I think it was worth it because uh, uh, Sean Connery did a lot of good James Bond movies. I mean, well, yeah, he I made think he's, Shane he's, Connery. Yeah, well, he did. James he made Bond. it. And, and when you say James Bond, who's your favorite? I think, I think most people would say Sean Connery. I don't... Yeah. I don't know if I have an so, opinion or not, but um, definitely I'm, he's up there. Yeah. I mean, he certainly is in some of my favorite Bond movies. Yes. And, yeah, he created it. I'm of the opinion at these at these points that each character, each actor brings a certain aspect of Bond. Yeah. So, you know, Connery, Connery sort of brought the whole package because he created it. You know, uh, Moore brought the sophistication and the wit. Um, Brosnan, he brought the determination. Dalton... Dalton brought sort of the harder edge, I think, mm-hmm. although he was limited by by the material he had with. Yeah, and and Craig, uh, I don't know. Craig Craig brings the. I don't know, he's not my favorite Bond. I don't despise him or anything, but I mean, he's 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 less of a Bond and more of an action hero. I just I guess one thing I like about the Craig movies is they're sort of a reboot. Um, they, the last of the last of them were just getting a little over the top. The and we'll See, talk you, about it. Maybe yeah. talk about it later. But yeah. you know the laser and the whole mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I agree uh, thing cutting the ice and the you know whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, when, <laughs> when that one ended and then Casino Royale came right, I'm like you know this is back. This is back to Doctor No. Okay. Right. That's 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 what I liked about it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, and it was very close to the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you, so you swap out. Uh, poker for baccarat and and yeah you're you're pretty much the same thing (laughs) exactly so cool well patrick i i appreciate you helping me out here you know we've got four more actors to cover so (laughs) all right (laughs) we'll take a break and and do it in the future but uh yeah i certainly appreciate you joining me on this one (laughs) all right well thanks a lot cool well thank you very much for listening i'm eric dewey and i'm patrick hillier the over the hillier gamer and you've been listening to inverse genius That's it for this episode of the Inverse Genius Podcast. The Inverse Genius Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 License. Thank you.